Hello and welcome to another episode of Guy Oliver's Top 5. Today my guest is the artist and filmmaker Roman Sadani. Hi Roman. Hello, hi Guy. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, so, so yeah, I invited you today to talk about a top five list uh, of a chosen subject of yours. Um, today's is really interesting. It's something that I don't know a lot about, didn't know a lot about before. Um, but yeah, Roman, would you like to introduce the subject that you're going to be talking about today? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to say thank you, Guy, for inviting me. I guess um, at this stage, you know, with everything happening around us and the momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement at the moment, I feel like it's forcing many of us, you know, to go back and reflect on our own histories and identities and, you know, our own participation in systems of injustice. Uh, and I feel like for me personally, I've, I've tried to use this time to learn more about my identity as an Arab, but I guess as a migrant as well. Um, mm. And that's what I would like to speak about today. I mean, I'm, I want to share some examples of uh, Arab migrant music um, yeah. and we'll share a little bit of the context of some different, you know, songs and musical experiments uh, and talk about, you know, the, the, the history around them and what they tell us about migrant identities. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's really interesting, uh, some of the, the notes that you sent through, you're talking about um, kind of breaking down existing structures and, and the sort of references to music and re in relation to politics. And uh, so, yeah, has it kind of, kind of changed your uh, uh, way of thinking about some of these songs over the sort of like the, how things have unfolded over the last few months? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, some of them are songs I grew up with, uh, but didn't really pay much attention to what they're actually, you know, referring to and the context of them. So it's nice to have a little bit, you know, of history uh, around, you know, your favorite songs. Uh, and I think for me personally, it's really helped me to confront my identity as a migrant. Because, uh, you know, I grew up with my family moving between different countries and the Arab region and then the UK. Um, and for a while, I think I, I tried to always like adapt and fit into the society. Uh, but, you know, I, yeah, I think I'm coming to terms with my own identity as someone displaced or a migrant. Um, mm. And yeah, it's just nice to see other people also facing that and trying to reconstruct their identity. Yeah, absolutely. So you were, you were born in Iraq, is that right? Uh, so I am from Iraq, my family's from Iraq, but uh, they left to uh, Yemen in the 90s because right. of the sanctions on Iraq. And that's where I was born. And then we moved to Oman, Jordan, we lived a little bit in Iraq and then we ended up in the UK. <laughs> How old were you when you moved here? Uh, I think I was 15 or 14, mm -hmm. just before year nine. Yeah. It was a little bit of a shock. I moved to York and I settled there for a while and then ran oh. away to London. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but these are a lot of these songs kind of nostalgic and kind of, ones that you grew up with. I mean, some of them are more contemporary, but uh, this was kind of music that you kind of was always part of your, the background of your life and your family life. 
Uh, they were always around. Yeah, I mean, some of them, especially the the examples of like rhyme music specifically. Uh, also, I'll be speaking later about like some uh, Iraqi Jewish music. Um, so yeah, they, they've always been like around us on TV. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't say they're all nostalgic. I think most of them are. I think they're very contemporary or like the, at the time when they were made, I think they were speaking about very contemporary issues and subjects, uh, which I think resonate with me more now. Because uh, I think before I used to consume them as like, oh, this is an Iraqi song. This is part of my heritage. But now actually to learn that it's not just part of heritage, it's speaking about very, very, uh, you know, critical problems. Um, mm makes it more interesting and, and removes that kind of nostalgia and romanticism, I guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, uh, would you like to sort of start with your first selection and um, maybe give it a bit of context and, and uh, talk about what, what it means to you? Definitely, yes. Uh, so I'll be giving f five different examples and for each one of them I'll try and provide some context and, and, and speak about some of the stories around the songs that we'll share. Um, and I really want to start with uh, Al-Harraga movement and uh, rhyme music. Uh, and most of the information I'll share on this is based on a, a paper by Hydran Fries, uh, who wrote a paper called Rye, Rap and the Desire to Escape. And in this paper, Fries tries to draw links between Al-Harraga movement and the development of rhyme music as a way to understand the, the North African uh, migrant identity. So just to give a few definitions before we go in, uh, Harraga refers to irregular migrations of, uh, migration of undocumented North African migrants. Uh, which can be traced back to the 80s. Uh, and al-harraga is a Maghribi Arabic word uh, that refers to those who burn or those who jump queue. But here specifically, I think it refers to the practice of burning one's identity papers. Uh, so, you right. know, al-harraga in this context refers to like North African migrants who travel to Europe and burn, burn their papers to avoid identification by the authorities. Um, and it's very common among young men in the region, uh, you know, who would travel to Europe with the hope of a better life and escape, you know, social and political oppression. Mm. Um, so it's sort of from the sort of conception of it is a kind of a protest sort of folk music. Uh, it sounds quite kind of trans transgressive and political. The idea of kind of burning your papers is such a sort of evocative image. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And for Harraga, so this actually, like the reason why I'm bringing this into discussion, because there are like these videos that emerged uh, on the internet with the rise of the Harraga movement of men documenting their journeys, uh, you know, mm. in boats to Europe. So this is not like specifically like a, a musical uh, movement as much as it's, you know, a social movement that's then documented through these videos that, that are everywhere online now. Mm. Uh, like it's kind of adapted to kind of contemporary events. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and in terms of like the sense of defiance in it, yeah, for sure, because in a way, you know, they're, they're defying, you know, r rules of mobility, rules of entry and, and exit. And those men, you know, are 
not only traveling in boat, but also documenting this adventure to mm. Europe on cell phones and then publishing those videos online. But obviously, I mean, I don't want to romanticize those videos too much because um, mm. the journeys are very precarious, the boats are unsafe, uh, and, you know, not all the travelers uh, end up making it. Many of them end up drowning in sea. Um, but basically, the reason why I'm bringing this into discussion with the Haraga videos um, is because they very much relate to the the development of rhyme music. Um, so, like, for just to give another definition of like what rhyme is. So, rhyme is uh, is a musical uh, genre and and developed in poor neighborhoods in Algeria, uh, in Oran, in the twenties and thirties. And rhyme means uh, opinion or point of view. Uh, so many of those songs, you know, were always like expressing the frustrations of the community. They were singing about heart, being heartbroken, falling in love, being drunk, poor. Uh, and they were also pushing some taboo subjects around sex and even politics. Um, and the thing with Rai, like it, it faced many restrictions and many different attempts to ban it at different stages of its development, especially post the, the liberation. Uh, from French colonialism where the religious tone in the country started to rise and and I think rhyme music as well was pushing too many buttons. So there were a few attempts to restrict it. However, it kept evolving and it kept, you know, traveling even outside of Algeria and the Maghreb region. Uh, So traveled with with the migrant communities who ended up, you know, settling in France and in other countries. Um, and the reason I guess why I'm discussing the Haraga movement, which is, you know, this North African migrant movement and then rhyme music is because I think Freeze is trying to draw links between them uh, to understand, you know, what the migrant identity is. And just to quote her, she says, Rai championed identity beyond religion and the state and escaped the control of authoritarian states and religious leaders to some extent. It voiced popular opposition to the status quo, breaking open instead a space for the articulation of difference lived and experienced at collective levels. At the same time, it contributed to the construction of identity of the migrating population. And with them, it traveled outside Algeria into France, then Europe and United States. Um, End of quote. So I think what's interesting is that, yeah, this type of music also traveled with the migrant communities Mm. and it evolved with their journey. Uh, So, for instance, you know, um, I really want to share this song that's called uh, Parti Loin, Going Far Away, just to explain more about the themes I guess we're speaking about. Um, and it's, uh, it's a song uh, by Rimke and Rida Taliani. Uh, so Rimke actually comes from a, a French hip-hop group called 113. Uh, and Rida Taliani is a Rai musician. Um, and... Uh, and I think but, but the song, I mean, we'll hear it, but you'll see there's a mix of Arabic and French. Uh, they're also speaking about uh, like this initial excitement to travel on the boat. So they really capture, you know, this this initial, I guess, desire to escape. But also I think they tell us something of like what the, the French North African identity came to, to, to be as this you know hybrid identity that's not arab mm. not western but somewhere in between mm. um 
Shall we listen to it? Yeah, let's go ahead. Débrouillard, je t'annonce, amène-moi loin de la misère, mon plus fidèle compagnon. En route pour les Dorado, même en classe, c'est codier nous, sac à dos, partir loin. Sans les coussins, les placards, c'est dur. Je me considère chanceux d'être en vie pourvu que ça dure. J'ai grandi qu'avec des voleurs, j'aurai toujours les you qui résonnent dans ma tête à la quête du bonheur. So the song, I mean, just to translate a few lines, just so, so we get the themes, I guess, we're speaking about. Uh, the song starts with uh, the lines, Oh boat, my love, take me out of misery. In my country, I feel humiliated. I'm tired and I'm fed up. This time, I won't miss the chance. It's been a long time in my mind. Immigration has made me forget who I am. I work on it day and night. Uh, oh boat, my love, take me out of misery. Special evasion from Algeria to the West. Uh, and then later on in the lyrics, he says, I'll sacrifice myself and I'll build myself a home and I'll become a rich man. Um, anyhow, and it carries on. It, it's, it's really cool. It's really beautiful. It's, it's, it, and I think it really mm -hmm. captures that kind of initial desire for travel, to, to cross boundaries, uh, and you know, prove yourself, I guess, as a young person. <laughs> yeah, because you, you sent me through the lyrics um, ahead of, uh, of the recording and it's just the simplicity of those lines about, I feel humiliated, I feel tired, I feel fed up. And I think it's just, um, it's just very, uh, it's just very resonant of, of an idea of, of what it must be like for a young man without a sense of agency, without a sense of kind of uh, being able to kind of make, make a conventional kind of path in, in the world uh, mm -hmm. and being, have that kind of taken away from you. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, and it's the perspective of, of the mi migrant is some, one that you don't kind of hear in sort of contemporary music. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we all see uh, through, through the lens of the news. Yeah. But uh, there's something about it kind of turned, it being kind of portrayed in a song when normally it would be about kind of regular conventional life, but, it, but in a way that is conventional life for so many people, the, 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 a life about attempting to mm -hmm. cross the seas and, and seeing this, the, the boat in this kind of almost kind of mis mystical way, mm -hmm. this, this, this sort of uh, object of um, escape. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess this sense of agency, you know, I think comes 
out of like because I think what we have at, at, at this stage because of the internet and and the videos of Al Haraga movement, you know, the people who are documenting their their travels. I mean, this is another like example of this sense of agency and subjectivity, where you know they're asserting their desire to travel, they're asserting their mm-hmm. desire to cross boundaries, to be somewhere else, to improve their lives. And I guess the, it's exactly what you said. Like the the song itself, I think, is voicing out that desire. And all of a sudden, you know, we hear the narrative from someone who simply wants to improve their life. Um, and I guess I think what what really interests me in the song as well um, is not just this appeal to the boat, you know, as this like beloved that that will help you arrive at the land of dreams or the the, the land where you can you know, change and improve your life. But I think like the song itself, you know, the, the, this mix of like French and, and Arabic, I think this is again part of like the, the linguistic hybridity that um, the dry music itself allowed over time. It allowed, you know, songs to be heard in, in, in multi, like, oh, to, it allowed songs to host multiple languages. Yeah, uh, and the mu- musical hybridity as well. I mean, there's so many, with a lot of the mu- music that you've sent me, it's, there's, you can hear so many kind of global mm. musical genres within it. I mean, obviously hip hop, but sort of elements of kind of reggae or, or Latin music. And uh, it, it, it all seems to kind of end up there. It seems a very kind of morphous yeah. genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also like to, to bring it to the conversation of identity, I think for me, like this reflects this kind of post-colonial Arab identity that's, you know, borderless, that's desiring to actually meet with the other, the Western other. It's trying to find like almost like a shared point of reference where we can all meet together rather than this kind of, you know, conventional divide of like East and West. Uh, mm. If anything, I think like even this again linguistic hybridity is is like a negotiation of difference. It's a it's a you yeah, know an exchange. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Do you think it's I, a sort of irony as, as well in talking about kind of becoming a rich man and the sort of de- you know that desire of 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 the other place? Uh, irony on what level? Uh, uh, that perhaps the. I think it sort of comes up with some of the other music you talk about, but like the disappointment sometimes of the sort of migrant experience of, mm-hmm. of between kind of expectation and reality of, of, of life uh, in another place. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call this song particularly, you know, like as, as uh, like ironic or trying mm. to, to speak because like I it's, it's, ge- it's genuinely sort of, uh, yeah not romantic but like it is it is a it comes from a genuine sentiment yeah and i think it's also capturing that real you know initial desire to escape to to go somewhere else and 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 where you know this this dream for 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 this other place that you will escape to becomes the dream of like who you will become so mm-hmm. i don't know i think for this one i think i don't know for me it captures that real initial desire however i do agree that you know with the i think crime music did change and did evolve uh, over time especially with the settlement of the migrant communities and it started mm. to speak of yes the, those disappointments of of being an arab migrant let's say in france or or other countries um 
And I think, you know, I think one thing as well that, that really contributed to that is, is that, you know, Rai music not only traveled with migrant communities, but also migrant communities tried to like set up radio stations in, in uh, France, south of France and other places. So all of a sudden you started to hear Rai music in other countries. And also you started to have artists, you know, trying to develop that, that music and the themes it's, it's also speaking about. Um, and, you know, because, I mean, if, if you really dig into the experience of North African migrants, let's say in France, there's a history of conflict, there's a history of tensions between the state and the migrant community. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the different people in the community were torn in between because, you know, they rejected French ethnocentrism, for instance, and also they rejected the conservatism of their own countries and their own communities, and they simply wanted to survive mm -hmm. and live. And I think that sense of being torn in between, that sense of being this fragile migrant who who doesn't necessarily belong and is, is caught in between, uh, I think is captured in, in a really, really amazing song by Shep Khaled called El Harba uh, Wen, Escape But Where To, and he originally released it in 1988, um, and I think he re-recorded it in, in the 90s. Um, and I'll just play the song and then I'll share the translation of some of the words. <laughs> Yeah, I particularly loved that one. That, I think that's my favourite song of, of the ones you sent me. Uh, just yeah, just musically, it's uh, just great 80s production. Um, but what a beautiful voice! Yes, he's really cool. You should see actually the music video of the song because he re-recorded it in the 90s, and it features this other, I think, British. Um, Indian singer and All it's right. really, really cool you should see that version <laughs> um, but I think the reason why I'm sharing it again it's like what we spoke about in, in the sense that I think it captures that sense of being torn in between not knowing you know where the escape is uh, which I think echoed many of the experiences of like migrant communities uh, yeah. settled outside of their home countries and I'll just translate a few lines from the, the song. Uh, 
It says, oh demon world, oh troubles and sadness, someone understands. Man was crushed and little is planted in the earth. It remains immobile and sleepy. The times have gone sour. In front of my eyes, this world has broken. The saviors are sitting with their eyes closed. To flee, but where to? To flee, but where to? Tell me, oh poor soul. Oh, I have cried. Oh, I have suffered. <laughs> yeah, um, very beautiful. Yeah, and I guess that they're touching on what, what it's like to, to see your homeland from another country as well. And also, you know, if you have successfully, uh, you know, migrated, mm. what that's like, what to be away from, from, from your country when, when it's still going through hardship or if you have families still there. And I, you know, I know that you must sort of, I imagine you can relate to that, that experience uh, that must be difficult mm. to deal with. Yeah, because you're constantly like too far and too close to the, the country. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can never escape, you know, the pains or the wars or the things that your country as well goes through. And yet you're always aware of that distance as well. Uh, and I guess if you become also targeted in, in the countries that, you know, you're, you're residing, there's also this other, you know, other, other experience where you cannot escape that and simply return back to your home country because, you know, home is, <laughs> is beyond those borders. And, and, and mm. yeah, it's, it's this, this, I think it's this constant desire. It's, it's this constant escape, I think, but, but also like sometimes I think when, when you're a migrant, the escape is no longer clear and the direction is no longer clear. And you're just caught in between those two different spaces. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, like, I think for me, like looking at, at if, 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 I mean, we only shared a few examples about, you know, rhyme music. But I think if you really dig into the history of rhyme music and migration, I think it tells us something, you know, of the experience of being a migrant. And it tells us that, you know, it's not just a, a constant process of negotiating with the other. But it's, you know, there's also this disappointment of not being able to fully belong and being stuck in between. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the modern Haraga online videos that I referred to of the, the men documenting their journeys in boats, I think they really capture this feeling or this experience, you know, where they, they capture, you know, a passage between two different lands, two different identities, and the migrant is this figure who's swimming in between and sometimes back and forth. And I guess over time, you know, the, the migrants can no longer belong. And instead they keep floating and they ask us, where do we escape to? Um, and I guess they continue to float with the hope of finding or, or managing to carve out a space for an identity that is both Arab and Western and maybe something else even. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess that is often where art plays a part, kind of as particularly with music. Um, that it is this kind of art form that that is infinitely malleable, but uh, you can take it with you, and it's a kind of collective cultural mm. art form more so than others. Mm -hmm. That you you kind of have a sort of it, it holds its weight of its history and it, of its cultural history, um, and the idea of exchange becomes very important. That mm -hmm. music migrant music will always evolve and adapt in any any new place yeah 
And I think, I mean, one thing I want to add, but it's my own personal opinion, I guess in the context of the music we shared, I feel like with Rai and, and this, you know, this, I guess, fusion of different genres, but also the linguistic kind of element of English, French and Arabic, I feel like they're trying to reach out to the, the, the other, you know, I feel like part of like their part of the way that obviously the music is evolving and changing, it's trying to adapt to, to different contexts. I feel like part of it is a negotiation with the other. It's an attempt to reach out to the other. But I guess going back to this conversation of like cultural appropriation, I guess it's a question of like, is the artist trying to reach out to a certain community or a certain, I don't know, <laughs> um, history? Or are they simply trying to extract something out of it and, and mm. place it outside of its context, possibly? Yeah. And you're talking about France and it's sort of, um, and the Arabic community, significant Arabic community there. Mm. And it seems that France over the decades has had a, a kind of uniquely difficult relationship um to it to its migrant community um mm. it's it's complicated with like because there is a very specific um sense of of uh frenchness that that is supposed to be welcoming to anyone mm. um but in 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 actuality it it seems slightly kind of rigid um mm -hmm. not intolerant uh but uh it just Mm -hmm. the, the the sort of French model of multiculturalism mm. seemed seemed particularly unsuccessful and mm. uh, yeah particularly its Arabic community seemed to be very alienated from it from that idea of Frenchness is what I've kind of always observed yeah and I think for me that idea of Frenchness is a very like colonial model mm. in the sense it's this it's almost like forcing the sense of assimilation assimilation how do you pronounce it assimilation. yeah assim assimilation yeah in the sense of like you're either with us or against us kind of scenario where you're yeah. you're, you're you either because i guess in like french colonial times in algeria for instance uh you know the the for instance like the capital city was divided into the section where the the, the algerians the arabs were living which was underrun and very poor and then you had mm. the other section that had like settlers and 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 the the idea was like if you want to be part of this like new uh, new algeria that's french uh, you need to assimilate and you need to like, I don't know, unveil, you need to change your, your cultural identity and codes. Uh, and I mean, I'll yeah, be honest. That, that idea of, of assimilation being rejecting your previous identity. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Whereas I guess, I guess what the migrant experience is telling us, like, let's say this kind of track we shared, it's it's actually an experience where they're they're encouraging this idea of like trying to reach out to the other and, and to meet in between. So in a way, like what I love about like the the track I, I shared Partinoa, like you know they're mixing Arabic and French, they're mixing hip hop and 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 rai, and they're not re they're not leaving behind anything. All they're doing mm. is like finding a place where where those different cultures, histories, uh, musical practices can meet uh, rather than forcing someone or or, or one one mm. element to <laughs> leave something behind yeah absolutely <laughs> do you want to move on to the, your next selection mm. so the next one i want to um 
uh, speak about is uh, an Egyptian musician called Abdullah Minawi. Um, he's a really amazing voice and he normally mixes, you know, kind of like uh, almost like vocal spoken word performances with electronic sounds. Um, and yeah, he's someone really, I think, important uh, to pay attention to. Um, so Abdullah is Egyptian. He's now based in France. Uh, he's a very strong uh, political and critical voice of the Egyptian state. Um, and in recent times, he actually left Egypt uh, to escape basically the, the, the oppression of the Sisi regime and he resettled in France. Um, and I really want to like highlight his album, uh, The Act of Falling from the Eighth Floor. Mm. Uh, and it's an album from 2019 and a collaboration between Abdullah Minawi and uh, Carl Gary, uh, who I think is German. Um, and many reviews, you know, of this album were speaking about how the album, you know, speaks of uh, the, the, you know, the, the oppression of the Egyptian regime that Abdullah is running away from. But I kind of disagree. I think he's not necessarily just engaging with, with what he left behind or what he's escaping. I think he's mm. speaking of a more, you know, universal shared reality. Mm. Um, so the album has different tracks and, and one of the centerpiece uh, tracks is called Baj. Uh, and the, the poem in, in the song tells the story of, um, of basically a protagonist who commits suicide by jumping from the eighth floor of a building. And each passage in the, in the poem describes a scene that the protagonist sees as they fall down. Um, and it's a really, I mean, it's quite dark uh, given the, the times, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's a really, I think it's a really beautiful track and, and, and um, actually the English translation of it is available online. Uh, and I highly recommend reading the full poem um, mm. because it has a really beautiful mix of, of images and, and language. And I'll play a sh section of it and then maybe we can speak a little bit about it and why yeah. it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> بوتو الطابق الثامن يقفون خلفك يمدون ايديها ينادونك ايها الثمين ايها الثمين Sick. Wardaton, Harasanaton, Saaf, 
زوجتك ذراع جار قفص مسلك نوافذ حوائط مزالق لا يخلو الأمر من مزالق هبوط الطابق الخامس ارتفعت جور المسارح وحكمة الأمية ذات الصفائح افتحوا لكل طارق هبوط الطابق الخامس ارتفعت جور المسارح وحكمة الأمية ذات الصفائح افتحوا لكل طارق track that we shared Baj, I just want to share like a, a passage from the lyrics um, mm-hmm. maybe we can speak more about it um, so it says the act of falling from the seventh floor once you forgive your ears your skipping rope turns into a hangman's rope an official order to arrest you so tell me what you want to hold a flower a piece of concrete or easily the wires your wife's or a neighbor's arm or a bird's cage, windows or walls or s- slides. The situation is full of slides. Um, and the crazy thing in the poem, although he's, you know, the, the, the lyrics is describing this fall from eighth floor to, to the ground, uh, there, there isn't a final fall and he never reaches the ground. Um, and in fact, you know, when he reaches the first floor, uh, becoming close to the ground, he says, high diving from the first floor, taking you again to floor number nine. Um, and I just, I find it quite a beautiful image. I mean, it's, it's mm. a bit, um, I don't know, I think there are different interpretations of that, but I find it a beautiful image because firstly, like I'm, I'm really interested in this kind of act of falling and the reason why he's, he's you know, uh, drawing our attention to this sort of movement that's, you know, vertical. Um, because I guess in, in this context of like um, migrant music and in this context of like how his album was read in relation to his travels from Egypt, I think for me, like it doesn't necessarily describe just the fall or the, the I guess the scenes in, in the track are describing different scenes of oppressions, whether on a societal level or on, a, on, on the level of the, the state. Uh, you know, for instance, this line about uh, your skipping rope turns into a hangman's rope. Um, and I don't think he's only describing that. I think he's describing a more universal thing. Because um, mm. I guess, you know, the direction of movement he, that's suggested here um, is, you know, this kind of like this fall from top to bottom. And I feel like it's almost like he's proposing like a necessary fall for systems of oppression, uh, whether social or political. And, you know, it's quite a political image, you know, the idea of the fall of the regime, the fall of a certain figure. And, um, and I feel like, yeah, he's almost like drawing our attention to like a necessary fall from top to bottom uh that's needed you know almost like globally or universally he's not yeah, necessarily yeah. speaking of egypt you know other than the fact that the the poem is written in arabic and he performs it in arabic but you i see get, it as a sort of like an act of defiance in, in a sense like the, the fall 
like I'm, uh, I'm taking control of, uh, of, of this action. Yeah, but it's almost like something that we need to plunge into mm -hmm. <laughs> in the sense like I feel like this is kind of what we're, I guess, advocating at this stage in terms of like this necessary breakdown of systems that are not working, mm -hmm. uh, destroying, you know, structures that are simply not serving us as a, as a humanity or as, as different, you know, communities. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like I... I I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, there is this agency of him almost like plunging away from all of this. It's kind of transcendent, isn't it? It's particularly yeah. the language as well, but, but as, a, as an image, it's, um, it's, it doesn't feel like um, tragedy. It feels like something else. Yeah. And I feel like for me personally, I feel like it, it's almost telling me that you know, we can no longer afford this process of, of change that, that, you know, let's say involve, involves like running away from one country to the other or, or mm. involves, you know, this, some, some sort of like patchwork. In a way, he's telling us like things need to crumble and fall down in order for us to, to start again, in order for like an, a new awakening to happen. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean... I guess, yeah, with the act of migration, it never solves the problem, but it's a symptom of, of, uh, of, a, of a, you know, wider malaise. It's, it's, if, if the whole world crumbled at the same time, mm -hmm. we'd have to deal with it. Yeah. We'd have to, we'd have to rebuild and think about what society we'd want to create in an yeah. ideal world, I guess. Yeah. It's an apocalyptic image. Mm, mm. would you want it would you want for things to like start all over again what's your image well i mean considering the last few months you know we we were kind of plunged into total chaos in a, in a, in a sense a kind of unprecedented situation that we didn't we had no preconceived idea of how to how to navigate um yeah i can't think of a you know in in modern times when developed countries had to sort of um, think about kind of collective crisis quite quite so clearly uh, so the, at the at the start of the pandemic you kind of thought it was terrifying but you thought perhaps a better a better kind of model of society or politics might might emerge from this hmm. um, I mean like an interesting thought that I had when a lot of people were talking about kind of comparing it to to wartime um, you know, what happened in this country is after the war is that we kind of moved to a more socialist government and we, we founded the, the NHS and the welfare state. And I was just thinking that at that moment when everyone was looking to, to the state for sort of guidance and help, mm. um, I think people kind of maybe, maybe it changes people's perception of, uh, of what the state can can do and, and uh, how it can function yeah 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 um yeah and i think with the the black lives matter um movement really exploding yeah i, I guess it, i don't think it's a coincidence that we'd had this massive destabilization of of, of uh you know the western world and, the, and the, the whole world you know um that people i don't know there's like an, a sense of an opportunity to change something at the moment.
And the, uh, the crazy thing, I think, with the Black Lives Matter, it's not a sudden thing. This has been no. happening, you know? It's, it's more of like yeah. a moment of awakening. I think for all of us, no matter what our positions are, I think it's a moment of awakening. And it's exactly what you said. It's just like this opportunity that the world is giving us to reflect and make changes, um, starting, you know, on a personal level. Um, mm. but I feel like for me, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for the Arabic or like the Arab community, but at least for me and, and some of the friends around me who also like, you know, come from Arab backgrounds, it feels like most of us are trying to go back on like the level of small communities and, and reflect on on what did we make, you know, what, how did we contribute to those systems uh, and how can we liberate our, ourselves, but also form solidarities. I think it's, it's time to form solidarities with, with all struggles and find Yeah, exa out. exactly. I think the way we've kind of carved out um, contemporary culture is to, uh, in recent decades is to be, become more and more individualistic and I think there is a sort of appetite to kind of move towards a bit more of a sense of collectivism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in this theme like uh, of resistance and defiance, um, I'm going to play the, I'm, I'm going to speak about the next track. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think this one is really interesting. I think it, it gives an image of migration beyond you know the physical realm <laughs> uh, i think it's it's you know it performs like another sort of migration or, or like i think it has this attitude of migration to, you know to to cross boundaries and to cross borders um so ma'azif this digital arabic magazine that you know publishes articles and papers about music in the arab region and and elsewhere um, so at some point, um, someone called Heikal al-Hasqi published uh, a collection of music from Arab prisons. Um, and one of the songs that he published was a Yemeni track. And it's called uh, which translates to in a women's prison, unknown Sana'i singing. And here Sana'i uh, Sana means uh, music from Sana'a, that's the capital city of Yemen. And you'll hear it, I mean, there, there's like this female singer who's singing and there are women around her laughing and clapping and drumming. And I'll play a little bit and then we can speak about it. Yeah. <laughs> The <laughs> الحب نار الله لا الحق خير حبيتي والمحبوبي في يد الغير حبيتي والمحبوبي في يد الغير <تصفيق> بتجننونا بالعيون والفم بتجننونا بالعيون 
يمن عدوز غربي لارحام So yeah, I mean, in the song, they they speak of like the their desire to 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 meet their loved ones. Um, and there is this amazing line in it that says, "Ashti habib hali kon romansi mashtish habib shuai nefsi," which means, "I crave a lover who's beautiful and romantic. I don't want an ugly lover who would make me sick." <laughs> and I and I the whole song. I mean, it, it's it's quite explicit at, at some sections, but it's beautiful. It's speaking of their desires, mm. you know, for their loved ones. So the and, the points where you can hear women laughing is it that at the lyrics that are being sung uh yes at some of the lines yeah mm. um and um you know i think what's beautiful about it is that you know it's the secret recording in a woman's prison yeah, how did it how did it get out i mean how how did it come about um so there isn't a story around that there's no information on it anywhere online um, other than this collection that Ma'azif published, and I can't find any information whatsoever. But mm. I'm, I'm part of me is happy about that because I feel like mm. the fact that you know there isn't any trackable information is really what allowed it to to migrate or survive and and and, and travel to us. You know, we don't know mm. who the, who the singer is. We don't know the the name of the prison, when it was uh, recorded. And I guess we just have to trust the the <laughs> the, the collection that was published. Um, but I think, yeah, what's beautiful about it is that you know it's 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 traveling beyond the walls of the prison. I think it's 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 you know it, it has this beautiful, powerful, desiring voice that's simply crossing boundaries, and you know it's it's traveling digitally and placing itself within our musical archive. Uh, you know, we have no access to prisons, but you know, here, here, here are the voices traveling to us. And if mm -hmm. you if you go on SoundCloud, you'll see like one to five k plays of the 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 track. Yeah. Um, and um, what's uh, what's beautiful as well is just the the sense of that even when you have nothing, you you have your voice, and you have you can you can clap, you can bang, bang to make a rhythm as well. So it's just this kind of pure human expression that um even if you're you know you're in prison can't be suppressed yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. they choose to talk about you know lovers and relationships and, and yeah and that there's laughter as well it's uh and that's that's also this sort of strange dichotomy that you know in in desperate situations we still make jokes mm -hmm. and we still laugh and uh, as a way of getting through things as well as using music yeah and we still have desire we still have yeah. the desire to like <laughs> even though actually i guess in the song if you pay attention to the lyrics uh yeah they're all they're, they're speaking about this lover who's absent or who they can't see and and 
or the 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 type of i you know the ideal lover they want to to find but mm. it uh you know desire is there and and they're <laughs> they're reaching out um but i think like another interesting thing about like how the like the digital behavior of this track like i love the 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 photo cover that's on the soundcloud track um mm -hmm. features like an image of tunisian male prisoners in a french prison uh in south of tunisia from 1916 when the country was under french um colonialism and i think you know even though it's it's a little bit annoying this image there is a mismatch you know on the level of gender uh space time um but i think what's interesting is that it feels it's almost like we're or like whoever published the the track like they're still placing this track of of the female prisoners within a history or within a culture of resistance to authority uh and I find it a powerful image that's, yeah, like it's, it's almost like it, it feels like the, the, the way that this track reached us is it, it reached us through this culture and history of defiance to the state and to authority. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's interesting how um, authorities are, are always afraid of, of, uh, of artists. And what effect it, you know, um, creativity can have. Um, mm. And you mentioned before, well, you probably will come to them, uh, the Kuwaiti brothers. And yes. Yeah. How, uh, yeah, Saddam Hussein uh, went to great lengths to to suppress suppress their presence mm -hmm. in recorded music. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the authority also like fears what moves as well and what escapes those, you know, categories or borders or <laughs> uh, walls. And it gives, it gives a sort of like sense of the importance of, of art and culture, that it, it's, it's real. It's, it's very, um, it plays a very live, uh, active, urgent kind of role in any society. Yeah. And we're really important to remember. Like yeah, and we're animated by these simple desires, you know, to love, to mm. live, to improve our lives, to travel and move. Um, yeah, yet those desires are controlled and restricted. Um, so again, in this context of displacement and resistance, uh, there's another track I'd like to, or like another artist I want to shed light on. Uh, mm -hmm. called uh, Maryam Hassan uh, and she is a Sahrawi musician and just to give an overview uh, people who don't know what Western Sahara is Western Sahara is a disputed territory uh, in Northwest Africa and it's partially controlled by self-proclaimed Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic and partially occupied by Morocco um, and Maryam Hassan, so she's from Western Sahara and she grew up um, under the time of Spanish colonialism. Uh, and at the time, you know, cultural gatherings and festivities were restricted by the authorities, uh, but weddings and religious ceremonies were overlooked, um, which meant that uh, this gave room, you know, to many female voices to emerge, um, including Maryam herself, who grew up attending religious ceremonies with her mom and other women. Um, and she's cool. She's really badass. Uh, you know, when she was 
teenager, she used to sing in like meetings of guerrilla fighters who were fighting Spanish colonialism at the time. Um, but things changed in her life uh, when Franco died. Uh, you know, the, the former Spanish colony was annexed by Morocco in uh, 1975, right. causing the Sahrawi population to flee to refugee camps in uh, Tendouf, Algeria. And that's where yeah. Maryam ended up. So she ended up in a refugee yeah. camp and she passed away in a refugee camp towards the end of her life. Um, and you know during her time in the refugee camp she joined different music bands to uh, raise awareness about the cause of the sahrawi population and their struggle uh, and she used to sing in hassaniya which is like an arabic dialect spoken uh, mostly in western sahara and mauritania um, mm. and i just want to quote her here before we move to the track that i want to share um, so she says, since the 70s and the beginning of the Sahrawi revolution, I developed a different kind of relationship with music. I would use old poetry and music and transform it with new words to match the spirit of, revolu the spirit of revolution, uh, anti-colonial sentiment, and to speak out against the occupation of our homeland. Uh, she adds, my voice belongs to my people. It's in their cars, in their homes, their mobile phones, in their stores. My songs are about the tortured and the prisoners, the resistance on the street and in the universities. Um, and she passed away in 2005, uh, 15, sorry, in, uh, in a refugee camp in Algeria. Um, but just before she died, she released like a final goodbye song. Uh, where she performs, you know, this uh, poem by someone by a poet called Muhammad Lamin Alal, um, and I'll just play some of that song, and we can speak about why it's relevant. <laughs> شعب حرث الامجاد وعز وحرث طموح اولاد واحفاد وانا لتيت مبوح اولاد واحفاد وانا لتيت مبوح um, so, I mean, although I don't really speak her dialect, um, I struggled a little bit to find translation of the lyrics, um, but I found this one video that has uh, subtitles. And I'll just um, say the first lines, you know, in the song. She says, 
how hard it is to say goodbye. It's painful, but sometimes life takes you. And then there's a section towards the end of the song where she she speaks about, you know, how the, the plants of art are harvested by children or the coming generations. And I mean, if someone else can speak the dialect, I'm not sure how accurate the translation is, but maybe they can help us. But I think even like within like the, the I mean, the translation I found, I think there's a beautiful reminder and like recognition of the cycle of life, um, you know, where things begin and end. And I, and I find it so powerful for her to like mark her departure as well from the world, mm -hmm. from music. Um, Did she know I, she was ill at the time? Um, she was ill. I think she had cancer uh, mm. for a period of time. Yeah, um, yeah. And and but, but it's just it's such a beautiful image and a, and a, mm. like there's a lot of agency, you know, in someone marking their departure uh, rather than slipping away from you. Mm. Uh, well, she sounds remarkable in a lot of ways, but I'm assuming she she kind of chose to stay in the camp for all those years. I mean, she she probably had opportunities to to relocate. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. it kind of like an act of defiance, really, to because to stay there? Yeah, and it, it's part of like it's part of their cause in a way as a as mm. a Sahrawi as a displaced Sahrawi population. Uh, yeah, and I think for her to like continue living there is like to continue the dream and the necessity to, to mm -hmm. return to, to the homeland. And that's what I love about her music. I mean, there is this endless desire for freedom and, and, and life. Um, and I think even for me, you know, this, this kind of image of like her as a musician, you know, spending her last days in a refugee camp um, and marking her departure through this farewell song. There's something so beautiful and, and it, it, it just reminds you of like the cycle of life that continues because I guess in, in like my, my, even for me, like my understanding of a refugee camp, like the, the images of like a suspended life, you know? Mm. Um, whereas I think this is a reminder of like this life that continues, you know, where people give birth and, and fall in love. And it's just that the conditions are not right. And maybe this is when it's a reminder for all of us as a humanity to improve those conditions because life continues regardless of displacement and, um, you know, other conditions. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of would would imagine like a refugee camp is this sort of temporary emergency kind of settlement, mm -hmm. but, a, but a lot of them become like long-term, uh, long-term set settlements for large mm -hmm. communities. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, as you say, she, from, she was there from like 1975. So it's like 40, yeah. 40 years she lived there. So people lived their whole lives in these, mm -hmm. as you say, this, this sort of like limbo land, like a, a suspended hmm. like a recreation, like a facsimile of the of, a, of the of their displaced homeland. Yeah, yeah. But there is so much agency as well. I think when we get the chance to to hear those accounts or narratives from within, let's say, mm -hmm. 
those displaced communities or refugee communities, I think it's just like a really important reminder of of their agency and and their desire to to for, desire for life and yeah. He uh, was so sort of linked with like the armed co conflict and activism. Like it seems, she seems like somebody whose life was so kind of like her her art was so linked with her life and mm -hmm. kind of you know they're sort of like inextricably linked her her music and the activism yeah. and the politics yeah. and i guess even in this goodbye song yeah when she's reminding us of like how almost like the plants she she left will be harvested harvest harvested <laughs> by you know the, the coming generations it's like yeah again a reminder of like the continuation of the struggle but also this image of like music as a manifestation of the cycle of her own life um and I just found it, yeah, a really beautiful image and an important reminder. Um, a similar thing, actually, in the next section I want to speak about, um, which is on Al Kuwaiti Brothers and Dudu Tasa. Uh, so just to give a bit of context, uh, Saleh and Dawood Kuwaiti um, were two Iraqi Jewish composers and musicians. And, you know, they basically revolutionized contemporary Iraqi music. Uh, they composed, composed many popular Iraqi songs and even wrote the score for the first Iraqi film uh, called uh, Ali and Isam in 1947. Uh, and they had major contributions, uh, but I guess things started to change in 1948 uh, with the establishment of Israel on occupied Palestinian territories. Um, you know, tensions started to rise in the region and the Jewish community in Iraq was targeted, unfortunately. And you started to have different waves of, you know, Jewish communities or Jew Iraqi Jewish communities immigrating to Israel. Uh, but on the condition of relinquishing their Iraqi citizenship. And unfortunately, the Kuwaiti brothers were among those who left Iraq. Um, and, you know, when they arrived in Israel, I think the situation wasn't uh, easy for them. Not many people uh, recognized their, their music. Not many people were interested in listening to it. And, you know, they only played in, in small weddings and, and bars. And meanwhile, you know, with the rise of the Ba'ath Party to power in 1963 in Iraq, um, many restrictions started to, to be imposed on the Jewish community that was left in Iraq. Um, and, you know, some, and the, their assets were frozen and, and, um, and, and even like to speak of music, you know, although people continued to listen, for instance, to the, the, the music of Al Kuwaiti brothers, Saddam Hussein in, 19, in the 1970s removed the names of the Kuwaiti brothers from the musical archive. And, you know, it's just a, a really, really violent act. Um, and I guess for the question for me, I'm like, how do you, do you continue your musical practice and how do you preserve your own musical archive when, first of all, like there's no interest, I guess, in the music in Israel at the time. And, and, and at the same time, you, you're being system, systematically erased from the archive um, of Iraqi music. 
Um, and this changed when Dudu Tassa, who's the, the grandson of Dawood Kwaiti, discovered their music uh, through records and tapes that his mom kept at the time. Um, and Dudu did something really incredible to the, the, the music uh, of the Kuwaiti brothers. Um, he started, you know, re-recording them and mixing them. Uh, and he collaborated with many artists. Um, and yeah, I just find his, 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 his work really incredible. Um, and he, he did some really, really serious work on his own like Iraqi pronounce, like pronunciation of Iraqi Arabic. And you can really notice it. Like if you listen to his early songs, you can see him like struggling with, with the Iraqi dialect and pronunciation, but he did some serious work to, to preserve that, that or to, to improve his, you know, performance of the, the dialect, I guess. Um, and what I find really incredible about Dudu Tassa is that, you know, his, his music resurrects an erased history. Mm. And, you know, it captures something of like an Iraqi identity that his grandfather was denied. Um, and it's really tough for Dudu because, you know, he's going back to a moment in history that his grandfather, you know, along with his brother were systematically removed from and Dudu is filling that space of absence uh, in the archive by resurrecting the memory and music of Kuwaiti brothers. But not only that, like he's, he's really actively preserving its Iraqiness through, you know, the serious work he's doing on his own pronunciation and, and performance. And, and it's not stopping there, like he's also actively developing the music to make it very contemporary, very hybrid and something that can survive, you know, uh, through our time and into the future. There's um, also the, um, the element of Jewish culture within Iraq as well, preserving that which would have been so kind of systematically yeah. removed in the 20th century. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also to speak of the dialect as well, in terms of like preserving that Iraqi Jewish identity, the, there are a few words you hear in his songs where the letter R is pronounced R, and that was common in the Iraqi Jewish uh, dialect uh, at the time. And again, this like really beautiful, yeah, act of like preserving the Iraqi Jewish community that communities, you know, were denied from um, with the... So, so the music is popular now in Iraq? Uh, the music is popular outside Iraq. Uh, you know, Dudu Tasa is in Israel and he performs internationally, but slowly, the, the beautiful thing that I find is like, you have lots of young Iraqis. Uh, I mean, I'm speaking mainly of like friends of mine and like some people in my family who are now actively looking for you know Iraqi Jewish music and you know people like Dudu Tasa are incredible for them because he's someone very young very contemporary and for them I guess for like young Iraqis who grew up without the Jew without the Iraqi Jewish community in the country it's like this beautiful act that's happening now of like going or like almost reaching out to that community that was forced out of the country and yeah, it's an amazing story. I guess it was yeah. on the brink of disappearing. It could have, mm -hmm. could have gone completely if there weren't those few tapes, I guess, that were kept, you know, in a personal, you know, family archive. Um, yeah. Uh, 
that's the strange thing though, that a lot of folk music does disappear due to, you know, just a lack of recording or through, yeah, I guess countries that are affected by conflict and things like that. Um, yeah. But, but also that element of the story that uh, there was an active uh, attempt to erase, to erase their presence in the culture. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something because you don't hear a lot about the kind of history of, kind of Jewish minorities in the Middle East outside of, of Israel as well. Yeah. You, realize, you know, there's such a sort of complex story of cultures in mm. um, across the whole region. But yeah, it's um, fascinating to hear. Element actually that you just mentioned about like, yeah, them being removed from the musical archive. I think what's really violent about it for me, like lots of their songs survived and lots of them are still, you know, within the Iraqi musical tradition. And it, it almost like makes me very sad and angry that maybe part, I mean, part of their survival, the survival of this music was through that erasure of, of the, the, the Iraqi Jewish contributors to that music. Mm -hmm. And what a violent act, you know, that's almost like the, <laughs> yeah, I just find it like a very violent image. Um, but, you know, thank goodness they, they did survive. Um, and uh, and the fact that Dudu has kind of evolved it as well is very is very interesting. That there's there's no way to kind of preserve uh, a music entirely as, as it was. Um, it always it, something does sort of die out with each generation, but uh, it lives it lives on like a sort of like a gene, I suppose. Uh, and that. That there is this kind of updating of of the music and introducing introduction of these kind of rock elements is uh, yes yeah uh, it's fascinating and and I guess in keeping with you know that that kind of evolution of of uh, these kind yeah. of cultural kind of combinations yeah and it's such an important cont contribution to Iraq itself in terms of like you know while Dudu Tasa was doing this work of you know, revisiting the archive, introducing like rock music elements and all of that. At the same time, you know, Iraq since the the nineties, like the cultural and the, the art and music scene really f suffered because since the nineties you had, you know, uh, an embargo. It mm -hmm. meant, you know, not much was going into the country and leaving the country. Uh, many Iraqis, you know, were also leaving the country and that really affected, it's almost like there is a gap in, in the, the musical evolution uh, in Iraq itself. So in a way to see someone like Dudu Tasa going forward in time <laughs> and, and still making, you know, what Iraqi music and, and you hear it through the words, the, the, even the themes and the imagery, but it's, you, you listen to it through this like really contemporary palette. And I guess Iraq itself, like if we're speaking about the musical scene, it suffered, it couldn't do that because mm -hmm. of the 90s uh, embargo, because of the war later on. So there is this gap in, in musical evolution. Uh, mm. And it's just incredible to see yeah, someone outside Iraq out there doing it and, and yet helping Iraqi music, I guess, to survive. Um, yeah. Were, were things kind of smuggled through uh, during those, those periods? Is it like in terms of influences from, from outside of Iraq, like music, contemporary music? 
Western music? Yes, definitely. I mean, there was um, an underground scene. Um, there's actually this famous documentary film, which I can't remember the name of, on like uh, Iraq, like the metal scene in Iraq. Um, and it, it happened, like it was filmed during the war. So, I mean, yes, obviously you had an underground scene and people were still listening. And as you say, uh, smuggling even like mixtapes and stuff. Uh, and maybe that's a, a, an area worth investigating. Um, and I guess, you know, a song that I think demonstrates like his, like Dudu Tasa's incredible <laughs> pronunciation of Iraqi Arabic and like the, the, the serious work I think he's done to his music over time is a song called Al Murra Anawiyak, which roughly translates. Um, to even through hardships, I'll be with you, um, or I am with you. And it's from his album uh, called Hajr, uh, which translates to desertion, um, and was released in 2019. And I'll play the song. Um, actually written by Salah al-Kuwaiti, so the granddad of Dudu, yet mm -hmm. released in 2019. Um, yeah, he survived mm -hmm. his time. <laughs> um, and I guess just to end, I mean, this list that I guess we both shared, um, I think overall, I think, you know, the experiences of displaced people and migrants, I feel like it's some something to pay attention to um i think you know they're all reminding us of like a basic desire to move improve your life and our ability to readapt change learn and they're all telling us you know that sometimes the only way to survive is to to accept hybridity and, and change and mutability um and i guess yeah for me i think they're all pointing at an identity that's not fixed, um, but that's always in a state of becoming. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's just a reminder for me that as a humanity, we need to facilitate the growth of different identities. Um, because, yeah, they're, they're always in a 
process of, I guess, either preserving something or, or trying to mutate and, and, and change and, and grow. Uh, yeah, so thank you, Guy, for, for letting me. And thank you, and thank you for introducing me and anyone who's, who's listening to this, uh, possibly, to this music, because I think you'd agree, like, it's, it's, it's a, like, Middle Eastern culture and music is really underrepresented in kind of mainstream British uh, cultural sphere. The, the political elements within the music you've talked about, I think are really important kind of helping kind of translate and communicate so many of those issues that affect uh, so many people. I think it can be really important to sort of um, see that side of, of um, well, that, that perspective from, from that side of the world, when all too often we see it in, in, through, the, through the perspective of, of news events. Um, but yeah, the, the power of music and the power of culture is so important. And I think you've done a great job of, of communicating that. So, so thank you. Thank you for the time and effort you've, you've put into sort of thinking about it all. Thank you for, for giving me the space and yeah, just like, I think it was a, a nice way for me to like compile things I, I like and, and love. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily that there's like an overarching thing with the list I shared, but I guess they're, yeah, they're, they're starters for me to think of different things, but also to like celebrate my own identity as someone who's a migrant, has always been a migrant. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think one last thing to say, I guess it's also like this reminder of like the need for us to meet somewhere in between across divisions. I think mm -hmm. even like to speak of like, I don't know, like this, you know, post-colonial identity of like Arabs or whatever. Like it's, it's like, I think we can no longer speak of like divides between East and West. Mm -hmm. I think it's about coming together, meeting somewhere in between and, and for both sides to do the hard work of trying to like, I don't know, negotiate that difference and, and meet somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think art and music is really, really integral to that, that meeting. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you again for, for this discussion and, uh, and this music. Mm. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, join me next time on Guy Oliver's Top 5.